Black to Canada is sponsored by OESeducation.org. OES Education is committed to unraveling the principles, processes, and practices that serve as the bedrock of enduring individual and corporate greatness. The objective of OES Education is to help people discover the power and energy that is within them and use it towards impacting and influencing their world. Through teaching, training, and research, OES Education has helped many individuals and institutions identify their core competencies and amplify their unique gifts and potential. OESeducation.org I am so thrilled and honored to have a very special guest with me today. She is someone who inspires me, encourages me, and supports me in all that I do. Welcome, Natasha Henry, to the Black to Canada podcast. How are you? I'm welcome, Miss Shannon. How are you? I'm so glad to be good. here. I'm good. Thank you for being on. I'm just going to read your bio so we let the listeners know how amazing you are. Um, Natasha Henry is an educator, historian, curriculum consultant. She's the president of the Ontario Black History Society. Natasha Henry is currently completing a PhD in history at York University, researching the enslavement of African people in early Ontario. Through her various professional, academic, and community roles, Natasha's work is grounded in her commitment to research, collect, preserve and disseminate the histories of Black Canadians. Thank you once again for being here with me. Let's get right into it. Sure. Yes. So today, you know, we're talking about enslavement in Canada. And but first, before we get into that, um, I want you to tell us about your PhD work and, you know, what you're researching. Yeah, so I'm continuing to work my way through my dissertation and it's a completion. And I am researching the history of uh, the enslavement of African people here in early Ontario. And uh, so the title of my dissertation is One Too Many, the Enslavement of African People in Ontario between 1760 and uh, 1834. So not only do I want to take a look at the scale and the scope of the institution of enslavement here in the province, but I also want to center the experiences and the lives of the men, women, and children who were enslaved. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's such an important, um, you know, research and focus because, you know, a lot of people don't know about Black Canadian history and all the history that we have in this country. Um, so a very important work. And I also find as well that many Canadians don't know that there was over 200 years of enslavement in Canada. So can you tell our listeners about that? Who was involved? What enslavement in Canada looked like in comparison to the United States and the Caribbean, um, as well as Canada's role in enslavement? Sorry, so there's a lot of questions in that. <laughs> but just give us, you know, you know, the overview. Kind of. I'll give you, so I'll try to, yes, touch on each of those very briefly, because uh, I know each of those could be a topic yes. of itself. Um, so yes, there was enslavement uh, for over 200 years, beginning with French colonization. Uh, under the French, it 
was uh, indigenous people who were uh, the majority of those who were enslaved, about two thirds of those who were enslaved, and while African people comprised of about one, th the remaining balance, the one third uh, of those who were enslaved. Uh, and then that shifted dramatically under uh, British colonial rule beginning in 1760, which is the beginning of my research timeline, uh, where we start to see that uh, those who were enslaved were pretty much exclusively uh, African peoples under British, um, under British control. As French and British colonies, uh, and, and these are the beginnings of what is now the nation of Canada, uh, was very much part of the global phenomenon of the trade in African people. And so um, that entailed the use of the right of the use of enslaved labor here. And um, while the captives did not necessarily come directly from the continent of Africa, but by way of the United States and some from the Caribbean, that was very much um, um, right, a central uh, component of the involvement of colonial Canada. And then as well as it relates to the other areas of trade, the, um, the consumption of slave produced goods, goods that were imported from the Caribbean, uh, such as the rum, the molasses, the sugar. And then there were also goods that were produced here, um, extracted or produced here, and then used in, in uh, slave economies in the in the Caribbean as well, and that included lumber, um, that included the codfish, salted codfish. Uh, there were 19 slave ships built in the maritime provinces and in Quebec that were used um, by merchants, by British merchants, um, and those ships were used to transport uh, captive Africans um, into the, the Atlantic um, market as well. So we see very much the ways that um, on a global scale that, that Canada was involved in, in enslavement. And yes, the version, if you will, uh, of in enslavement in Canada looked differently than in the United States and the Caribbean. There, um, it was a smaller scale, more domestic, um, based in households, uh, as opposed to the Caribbean and the United States that were large plantation economies. Uh, and so there is that difference there. Um, however, as I say in my research, and again, getting back to my title of my dissertation, that this should in no way um, reduce or negate the, the impact and the realities of the experience of enslavement and that uh, regardless of the numbers of those who were enslaved, the fact that enslavement as an institution um, was able to grow and continue for 206 years in Canada mm -hmm. is of historical significance that needs to be further investigated. Yes, thank you so much for that. Now, language and terminology are very important. So can you tell our listeners why we use the terms enslavement and enslaved rather than slavery and slave? Yes, there has been a, a huge shift in, in the language as it relates to um, history of enslavement. And we see, as you mentioned, that there is a distinction between the language now used and enslavement and the terms enslavement and enslaved and enslaver are intended to really um, focus the, the, the conditions of enslavement as being imposed on people 
on African persons. Um, and so these are the conditions that they were forced into. Um, and so there is an important recognition in the ways that the systems of subjugation and oppression were enacted on these people. And it's not just, um, you know, not just something that happened without kind of, right, without that imposition. And so the use of the language, the shift in the language is important in order to, to reflect that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Now, who were some of the well-known enslavers who owned indigenous and African people in Canada? People, uh, indigenous people, indigenous here, indigenous to, um, to what is now Canada and indigenous to Africa were enslaved by people of different social um, stations. Uh, in colonial Canada, um, there were priests and nuns who enslaved um, people. There were uh, military officers, politicians, merchants. Um, so there's, you know, there's this range of, of, of people, uh, lawyers, judges, mm. um, who enslaved people. So, you know, it really uh, ran the range uh, there. I do also want to point out here as well that in the um, in the change of the demographics under the British to an exclusively African population that was enslaved in early Ontario, um, that uh, the numbers increased. And this was in large part due to the wave of loyalists, white loyalists coming in to relocate here in the province. And this number was also fueled by um, their relationship with indigenous allies of the Six Nations who contributed to the kidnapping and the trade of African people from the United States into Canada as well. Um, and Joseph Brandt, um, who was the more prominent uh, leader, Mohawk leader, um, who you know helped to 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 build this relationship with um, the British himself enslaved uh, upwards of forty black people mm -hmm. um, between New York and here in Ontario in Brantford and Burlington as well. Mm -hmm. And just some popular names of you know downtown Toronto street names that yes. people might know. Do you mm -hmm. want to just throw them out? <laughs> sure. So Jarvis Street, well named after the son, uh, the father, William Jarvis, who was the first provincial secretary. He enslaved six people. Uh, Peter Russell, who was uh, the first provincial administrator um, and a politician as well. Uh, he enslaved a family of four. Uh, there's the Babe family who enslaved a number of indigenous people and, uh, and African people, biracial um, uh, people as well. Uh, there, there's, um, you know, families going east, Eastern Ontario. There's the, the Wallbridge family. As you'll see some of these signs, for example, these markers on, on different landmarks, John Butler in Niagara on the lake, uh, a few other families there. Um, Finkel, there's a Finkel family. I was just looking at some of the markers named after some of these people recently. So there's a, a Finkel shoreline park named after a, gen a man who um, enslaved an African woman out uh, in the Belleville area. Uh, and so these are just, again, and we see some of these markers and some of these yeah. names and the streets and, mm -hmm. um, you know, these are some of the people noted as being founders of the province yeah. um, who themselves enslaved uh, African people. Yes, and as you mentioned, people of all levels of societies, lawyers, judges, politicians, 
um, nuns and priests, right, who, who enslaved uh, African and indigenous peoples. Now, how were enslaved peoples treated in Canada? Um, were they comfortable with their situation? Did they resist at all? And if they did resist, which I know most certainly they did, what did that look like? Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a, a good question because this is also um, one of the ways that uh, the brutality, the inhumanity of enslavement gets downplayed here in the Canadian context because people will say the numbers were so small um, or those who were enslaved were treated well, they were like part of the family. And I don't think, you know, someone who is owned as chattel, as property was not part of the family. They did not benefit from the land grants and the family wealth and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And so I wanna start there to say that the very condition of enslavement speaks to the inhumane ways that they were treated and that they were viewed within that context, right? It, it looked um, it looked differently. And so it, it, it runs the gamut from, um, and, and I will expand outside of Ontario to other places in Canada, the Maritimes, to those um, being beaten, mm-hmm. uh, being hanged for crimes, um, being put in jail, mm-hmm. um, uh, yes, there were the, some of the, the basics in terms of um, caring for, I guess, investments, if you want to call it that, in terms of food and clothing and shelter that were provided as a way to, you know, to be able to extract that labor. Um, so there's that um, as well. And then we see in some instances that there's, um, you know, where some enslaved people were baptized, some were allowed to marry, um, a, a couple of instances of those receiving some kind of educational instruction. Um, and so it, it, you know, it runs the, the gamut, I would, I would like to say, uh, similar to other, um, to other places as well. And absolutely, as a forced imposed condition, mm-hmm. African people uh, always resisted, yep. um, resisted the condition of enslavement. Um, that can mean uh, disappearing for a little bit of time, a few days, to running away in pursuit of freedom uh, into the United States, into New York, for example, or um, Michigan or Vermont. And we've seen many instances of them running away. Um, just again, recently shared a story in a talk about Joseph Gutches, who was enslaved and um, went to a hearing. Um, and so he actually brought his case and used a friend, another enslaved man, in order to, you know, to vouch for him. Um, and so we see in these these pieces in the in the archives the very many ways that the, um, African people resisted their enslavement in letters, in runaway ads, and in and um, you know complaints of the enslavers who know that you know the person that they enslaved ran away, um, and so we see that in very many ways. And then to end with Chloe Cooley, who although was still forcibly taken and sold across the Niagara River, we know about her because of the violent way that she screamed um, to in, in her act of trying to physically resist mm-hmm. her her sale. Yes, and speaking of uh, Chloe Cooley and. Um, just in, in abolishing enslavement in Canada, and I know her case helped, uh, was a catalyst for that. So when was enslavement in Canada abolished, and when was it abolished throughout the British Empire? Mm-hmm. Well, her case did a couple of things, but I do want to say again that her case 
um, and this really does um, challenge, again, the perception of Ontario in this respect. The very first thing that that legislation did that was um, introduced by John Graves Simcoe and Attorney General John White, uh, because they're using the Chloe Cooley incident, was the first thing it did was it confirmed mm. in statements. Mm -hmm. And so the very first thing it said was, those who held property in slaves, you're... Um, that is secure for you. Mm -hmm. So those who were enslaved in 1793 would remain enslaved mm -hmm. unless they were freed by those who enslaved them. And then, so what this um, compromise legislation did was it gradually phased out enslavement over about three generations. Um, so I want to, I do want to say that as well, because this again speaks to the fact that these politicians, mm -hmm. these power brokers of the province, were invested in maintaining enslavement, first and foremost. Um, and so with this bill, yet those who were brought into the province afterwards would not be held as enslaved. It didn't say anything about changing the domestic trade and sale of those who were enslaved. Um, and so then we start to see uh, as a result of this, that yes, there were some individual freedom seekers coming into the province because those coming into the province afterward would not be, um, could not be enslaved. Uh, and then uh, in 1834, when the British Parliament um, introduced the Slavery Abolition Act, that took effect in most British colonies, including Canada, and that led to the full um, eradication of, a, of formal enslavement. And in different places, uh, it took, it, it resulted in still um, the exploitation of labor through apprenticeship program. And then in 1838, places such as Jamaica, for example, then there was full freedom and abolition. Yes, yes. Now, what are some of the legacies of enslavement that people of African descent, descent still have to contend with today? What do we have to deal with as a result of enslavement and, you know, um, just centuries of, of enslavement? What, mm -hmm. what do we have to contend with? It, this the, the 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 institution, this entrenched institution over 400 years, resulted in the process of racialization, and the um, the coding of blackness in particular ways uh, in the, the 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 hierarchical structuring of society resulted in black people being positioned at the bottom of that, um, that social hierarchy. And so out of this long history of disadvantage, we continue to see huge gaps um, uh, as it relates to, for example, if you're looking at you know, demographics, uh, uh, demographic groups um, in, in Canada, um, in North America and looking at uh, generational wealth, for example, and all of that, we see that there's a huge um, gap and, and, and disadvantage there. And we see this in employment, um, in the employment statistics, we see that in educational outcomes for black students. Thank you so much. And last, um, now, is there anything else that you would like to share about enslavement in Canada? Well, I would want to say that it really does require some further understanding um, and, and, and awareness. Enslavement in, um, in Ontario, for example, expands from the western part um, in Essex County in the province going to the eastern part of the border of Quebec uh, in rural spaces and urban spaces uh, in Canada. 
the enslavement of, of African people goes back to at least 1628. And so I really want people to take away that it was common, it was accepted, it was expected. They wanted to expand the institution in order to grow uh, personal wealth and to grow the colonies. And so I would want people to, um, to really appreciate that and to um, reduce the deviation, uh, the, the argument to deviate to say that enslavement was not um, part of the beginnings of Canada. Mm. Uh, I, I think that, you know, this, you know, people will say or have said, well, technically Canada didn't exist until 1867. So slavery, you know, enslavement was not, uh, did not take place in Canada. Mm. But if we can embrace all of the other beginnings yeah. of um, Canada and these colonial origins under the French and the British, we have to also um, accept and embrace enslavement as part of that. And so that is what I would um, want people to know. And, you know, to look out for more information from my research, yeah. I soon have uh, my uh, project website um, up in a preliminary Yay. stage and, you know, and, and continue to share these, these important stories and to learn more about the individuals, again, um, those who were enslaved here in in Canada to really humanize um, their experiences. Oh wow! Oh Natasha, thank you so much. You are awesome and amazing, and I appreciate you. Now, how can people reach you or follow you to find out more about your work and what you're doing and where you're going to be speaking next? Because I know you give a lot of talks and just to you know educate and inform people. So where can people find you or reach out to you? So I tend to share a lot of um, in, in engagements, presentations, resources on Twitter. And my handle is at nhenryfundi, that's F-U-N-D-I. Uh, I also have a website teaching African Canadian history and I share information there as well. And um, so that, those are the two places I would encourage people to go. So uh, thank you, yeah, thank you so thank much for you. having me, this is great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Join me next time on Black to Canada.